0: Hello, this is Bixby. Welcome to the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast. Here is your host, Roger Kibby.
1: Hello, Bixby Developer Chat listeners. Today, I have the honor of talking with Terry Fisher. Terry is very well known for his flash briefings, podcasts, voice events, and generally just an overall thought leadership and voice. I've long admired and enjoyed all the work Terry does. Welcome, Terry. Please
0: introduce yourself. Hey Roger, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. And yeah, my name's Terry Fisher. I live over in Vancouver, Vancouver, BC, Canada. I'm a physician. I like to say I'm a physician by day and a voice tech enthusiast by night because that's pretty much sums up what I'm doing these days. It's an absolute pleasure to be here on your podcast. I know you've had some incredible guests and it's a real honor. Well, thanks Terry. Hey, I
1: definitely want to talk about voice, but I got to ask you about your day job first as a physician. What
0: kind of medicine do you practice? So I do a combination of family medicine, family practice. And then uh, when I was training, I was very interested in musculoskeletal medicine. So I did a fellowship in sports medicine. And so uh, a lot of my practice now, I'm specializing in sports and exercise medicine. And I still do some family medicine as well. But I work at the University of British Columbia. So I'm taking care of students at the university and the varsity athletes. And um, part of the medicine that I probably enjoy the most is working with teams and being a team physician for various sports and that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome. And then you're a voice guru at night. I think I've asked you before if you ever
0: sleep (laughs) because your energy seems tireless. Uh... Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's it's a lot easier when you really enjoy what you're doing. And uh, people often ask me that. And the, the bottom line is if you have a hobby and I'm sure everybody can relate to this. If there's something that you really enjoy doing and it's your hobby, you want to spend time reading about it, doing stuff, participating in it. And, I've always been interested in technology and it just so happens that voice technology is, is uh, what I'm really uh, obsessed with now. So it makes it pretty easy to do this kind of stuff.
1: Well, speaking about that obsession and that passion with the hobby of voice, tell me about how you first got started with voice. What was your first experience with a voice assistant? When did you first get one?
0: So it's an interesting story because when I first became aware of voice technology in the context of how we're discussing it here, Alexa wasn't yet in Canada. And that was the first assistant that I became aware of. And being, like I said, I love technology. And I can remember going back to high school when before the Palm Pilot, there were these little Casio diaries that you could flip open and type in your friend's phone numbers. And I had one of those because I just wanted all the latest technology. Anyway, fast forward a whole bunch of years. And here we are. And I hear about Amazon Alexa initially as the first voice assistant. And I start looking into it. And I realize. It's not in Canada, but being that I love technology and I also love teaching. Before medical school, I did a teaching degree, and I love educating people. I thought, "Wow, this is a great opportunity for me to bring some of my passions together and hobbies, so I could create a website, Alexa in Canada, to educate people about this device." Because really, I knew like it's just a matter of time until it comes to Canada, and so I created that that website, and the timing was crazy. About two weeks later. Amazon announced it was coming to Canada. And of course, then I I picked up my first device and it was an older generation now of the Echo Dot. And I put that uh, in our living room and myself, my family, my wife, my kids, we started talking with it and we did the typical things that people do, timers and music and that sort of thing. And actually one of the neat things that we did was we paired it with our home audio system. We had just done a renovation and we had some speakers in our ceilings. And so we had paired it with our home audio system. And now when we spoke to the device, we had this voice like coming through the house and it was kind of scary on one level, but at the same time, it was pretty cool. And so anyway, that was the first experience with it. And things evolved from there.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. So Alexa, the overlord was coming from your uh, side. <laughs> you, you that would be if you'd never experienced
0: it before, that would be a little eerie, right? Yeah, it was like the whole house was speaking to us. So uh, we had some fun with that and got it to say funny things over, you know, over the whole house. And it was a good time. Wow. So now you'd started this website to teach people about Alexa
1: and and what they could do in Canada. And I I think you kicking off that website was the impetus for
0: Amazon to go live, clearly. I mean, in in Canada. (laughs) There you go. It's actually funny. If you go back and look at my first blog post on there, it's all about, oh, I hope this device comes to Canada soon. And within a couple of weeks, it's like, hey, everybody, this device is in Canada. Anyway, the, the website really was there to help people to learn about it, to introduce them to the new technology and to teach initially like the end consumers hey this is what voice technology can do this is pretty cool this is uh we're just at the the cutting edge this is just at its infancy now of where we're going with voice technology and i would write blog posts on how you can use it to control your smart home and how you can use it to just keep track of your everyday tasks it was pretty basic stuff initially but then i started a, a podcast and i started interviewing guests and other people that were doing creative things in the voice space and things have grown from there
1: So you started writing blog posts, which I think you still do in Alexa in Canada. And then the the first thing after you did that, you said was, were these long form podcasts and then you
0: got into flash briefings or what was the? Correct. So the first thing I did was I I started my, so the Alexa in Canada podcast. Uh And and that was, yeah, interviewing people that were doing interesting things in the voice space. I remember, I can't remember exactly the order, but some of my first people that I really wanted to get on were, for example, Brett Kinsella from VoiceBot, because I knew he was doing some work. And and we had uh, Bradley Metrock, who was doing he had his own podcast, and uh, it was a way for me to meet some of the people in the voice uh, space. And everybody, I have to say, everybody was so gracious with sharing their knowledge and coming on, and just very just wonderful, wonderful experience. So that grew, and then I soon learned about flash briefings, and I thought, okay, now I'm going to create a short form show audio content with just one little bite sized piece of information that people could listen to on a daily basis. And I guess that's now approximately three years ago that I started that. And I started the Voice in Canada Flash Briefing. And that's what it is. It's about a little tip every day. Here are some new features. Here are some new things you can do with it. Here are some really cool skills that I found. I also highlighted like if there was a particular sale on a device, people wanted to know about that. So anything that had to do with, with Alexa. And it's been going strong ever since. And that was my second thing. And there's a number of other things that evolved from there. So.
1: Got it. And I would emphasize to be able to, just because it says in Canada, it's pretty much applicable. Although you sometimes give Canadian specific news. I have your flash briefing on my Alexa and I listen to it daily. And I'd say most of it is generally for anyone using an Alexa device. So just because it says in Canada and you're not Canadian, don't let that deter you. There's some great, great information
0: well, thanks for that. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I agree 100% with that. that. That's exactly the way I present it. I say most of it is general information. But if there is a Canadian slant, if there's a particular Canadian deal, pricing is different in the different countries, or if there's a particular feature that's not available or is available, then I do highlight that. But by and large, I'd say, yeah, most of it is applicable. So you're seen really as a leader
1: in flash briefings. And I think not only because of your own flash briefing, but you've started this uh, network called Briefcast.fm. Can you tell me a little bit yeah. more about Briefcast. Sure.
0: So one one of the issues, and I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with this, is discoverability of skills and capsules and actions. And because I was so motivated to create a good flash briefing, and I realized there were a lot of other people that are creating really good flash briefings, but they were a little bit hard to discover. And so I wanted to create a resource that would curate some of those flash briefings that are vetted and Through my experience, I think some of the best practices have come to light, not just through me, but through other people as well, doing great flash briefings. And I put together this site, briefcast.fm, that essentially is a network of flash briefings that I think are really high quality and really provide great value to to the listeners. And so that's what that is. It's a curated list of flash briefings and we put them together and people can go there and they know that if you check out one of these flash briefings, they've already been through a little bit of a, a vetting process and they are consistent, high quality, great audio. And of course they offer really good value. And that's the purpose of that site.
1: Yeah. Discoverability of flash briefings. I haven't read the latest stats or last time I, read. I said, that I believe there was something like 6,000 different flash briefings. And that's really part of the challenge in Voices. How do you, you know, wade through that of of those 6,000, what are interesting to you? And that's awesome that you've done that because I believe that discoverability is one of the biggest industry challenges. Yeah, And we can't all rely on the big players, the Amazons, Googles, Samsungs, and eventually Apples, hopefully, of the world to solve that. We right. have to go out and solve it and go right. and do things like what you did with Briefcast and say, hey, I have this successful thing. I love these. Let's share. So someone right. who's interested Absolutely. in yours can be
0: and- introduced to someone else's or vice versa. Absolutely. And along those lines, to be perfectly honest, it's great if the Samsungs, the Googles, the Amazons help with Discoverability, but I don't really feel that it's their responsibility, to be perfectly honest. It's like any other product in the marketplace, it's the creator's responsibility to market it if they want to do so. All the major brands do marketing, all the brands that kind of come to mind, they don't rely on other companies to market things for them. So, yes, I mean, it's obviously it's wonderful if they do that. It definitely helps with Discoverability, but that's why the reason I'm so Um, invested into marketing my stuff is because I think that is my responsibility as the creator of the content. Yeah, people
1: forget. I think the app store has three or four million apps and the Play Store Mm -hmm. has something like that. The mobile world has exactly the same challenge. It's just they've discovered, hey, you better market your stuff or it's going to end up in that three or four million. You know, in a huge, there's two million things that have no reviews in the app store. So same challenge in mobile. And I think it's good to remind yourself that we were not the only industry with that challenge. Hey, Carrie, right. you're—I believe you're getting close to your one thousandth episode, <laughs> which am. is truly an impressive achievement. And I'm just wondering, how do you keep things fresh? A thousand episodes in, or actually, first, when is your
0: thousandth episode airing? Yeah. And how do you keep things fresh? Thousand okay. episodes in. Yeah. Thanks for asking about that. My thousandth episode, consecutive episode, is November fourteenth. And for those that follow along, you'll know that there's a, we're having a big celebration of the voice den on November 14th, the party edition. So uh, I encourage everybody to check that out. But yeah, how do I keep things fresh? The good thing about the voice technology industry is that things move fast. And so there is always new content. So this gets into sort of how I organize my flash briefings, but and I have a course on this. But basically, I I break down my flash briefings into sort of subcategories. and. So, for example, I'll have, as I mentioned earlier, I'll have a tip. So sort of how to use your voice assistant. I'll have a skill highlight. I'll have a use case, a routine, and so on. And what I do is then, here's a, little, here's a little trick that I use, is I subscribe to Google Alerts. And for in my case, I put in the keywords Alexa, Canada, I may have some other ones. And every single day, I get an email sent to me, a news alert from Google, for any article that includes those keywords. And then what I do is I simply look through some of those articles. I find things that are interesting and I pick out a little tip and I turn that into a flash briefing. And that way there's always something new coming in. It's
1: a fast moving industry. So there's lots of news to make it interesting. The other thing that really comes through, and I want to give you kudos is you can feel your passion. You love what you're talking about, and that makes such a difference. I'm thinking back, I had many podcasts ago, I talked to Adrian Simple, who does the Gaming Observer, and he was not his flash, but you can feel his passion for gaming, you can feel your passion for voice, and that makes such a difference when it's someone who's super interested in but and you read it, and you're like, I gotta go try that, right? Because you (laughs) you can feel it in the voice and how they're saying it. Hey, Terry, I've spoken to a lot of people who are, you know, interested in creating a flash briefing and, or a
0: podcast, what advice would you have for people just starting out? First of all, it's an incredible opportunity right now. I mean, just as a whole audio we are in the voice technology industry here, but audio, I think is the way things are going. What advice do I have for them starting out is I think the first bit of advice is actually to figure out what their purpose is, what their goal is, because if you're doing it just for fun, that's fantastic. Like by all means do it just for fun. Uh, And that's when your passion is going to come through. So you're going to be consistent with it. But if you're doing it because you are trying to get a message out to solve a problem that you're not necessarily 100% passionate about, it makes things difficult because being consistent is hard work. It is hard work. And so I guess the biggest piece of advice I can give is find something that has a real purpose that you're solving a person's problem. With through the content that you're producing. And it's got to be something that you enjoy talking about because otherwise it's very difficult to maintain it and to be consistent. So in my case, yeah, I'm helping people to learn more about the, the voice technology. I'm obviously like, I love doing it. I'm very passionate about it. And so it makes things a little bit easier for me to do that. And that's what I would suggest other people to do as
1: well. That's such salient advice. Pursue your passions. Yep. And if success comes along with it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I would say at worst, you have one very passionate fan. Yourself.
0: <laughs> so that's right. well now, I you, mean it's a lot more fun to do things that you enjoy. It's funny that you say that pursue your passion, and because everything that I've created came from a hobby. Like it's mm-hmm. you know, I know I have my day job, I came home, I sat down, and I thought, wow, this is really cool technology. I'm just gonna start talking about it and see where this leads me. And one thing led to another, and still It's a hobby. I consider it a hobby and that's the way it is. And it makes it that much easier to continue doing it because I just love what I'm talking
1: about. The the industry is, is kind of plagued with a lot of people starting podcasts. And right before this interview, a few days ago, I looked it up and it's something like 50% of podcasts stop. uh, If a thousand started this month, 500 stopped this month, which is is an incredible failure. I I heard this term pod fade. (laughs) which I thought was uh, kind of a fun way of thinking about it. Although it's no, no fun to think about all these things failing. Clearly your passion keeps you going. Anything else advice you give to people about, you know, kind of keeping things going if they already have a flash briefing or a podcast and maybe they're running into that wall of, oh my gosh, what do I do next? I've talked to everyone. Or I've talked about everything.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great question too. I think having systems in place, to make things more organized for you and to try to automate things as much as you possibly can. Now that obviously that doesn't mean automate the content because the content's got to be fresh, but having systems in place, I'm very, very systematic with the way I set up sort of the logistics of my flash briefing so that I make it as easy as possible for me to simply sit down and record my content. So whether that be just having a, a template in, I use GarageBand, template in GarageBand ready with my sonic branding at the beginning at the end of one track and I just know that when I sit down I open up my template I just select my first track I've got my microphones all set up everything nothing needs to be set up I've got my little system so literally I hit record I speak it stop export and go and at the same time I have a spreadsheet um, that I use where I keep track of the date, I keep track of titles of my flash briefings, I keep track of as I talked about those different subtopics. So in case I'm missing something, I do that. I as well on my spreadsheet, I will include special holidays or events. So if I know I want to highlight that, so I'm not constantly, it just takes some of the, the cognitive load off of each episode. You know, Halloween's coming up at the time we're recording this. So I've got a little note in my spreadsheet on, on October 31st. Halloween so it's just one less thing to think about and I know that for that particular day when I sit down, I want to have something that's relevant to Halloween and it brings it relevant to people's lives and so I think yeah, having systems is probably a really good way to ease in the burden if you will of constantly recording stuff, but also just knowing that when you start doing something like this, there's that commitment that you have to make to be consistent and I always tell people, imagine if you listen to your favorite radio station and they were on one day and then the next day. They're just they're not on the air. They're off. They're gone. And then one day they show up and then the next day they're gone. Like, like how often are you going to go back to that radio station? You're not. And cons- consistency is one of the most challenging parts of creating this type of content. And I recognize that it's not easy, but again, having those systems in place, I think make it um, a little bit easier on you.
1: I think that's such great advice to be organized. Yep. Get your tooling all together. You said you use GarageBand. I use Descript for my podcast. Yeah. Whatever tool works for you, right. get it going. It, <laughs> I always say the interview in a podcast, that's the easy part. It's actually the editing around and getting it all there and getting it out is the hard part. Right. A lot of the hard work. And so make that as easy as possible. So you can focus on, frankly, the fun part, which is right. having a conversation or talking about what you're doing and make the other stuff as mechanical and easy as possible. I think great, great advice. Exactly. Hey, before we continue, I want to do something a little different. Right. Uh, we've been talking about your flash briefings. So I think what we should do is play a flash briefing. Great. So what we should do is play one of your flash briefings. So without further ado, let's play it.
0: Well, hey there. How are you doing? It's Terry Fisher here with your Flash briefing for Thursday. And I got to tell you about yesterday. Yesterday was the voice stand, and I announced a couple of new things. And I've got to tell you about them right here because I think you might be a little bit interested, particularly in one of them, because it might involve winning surprises. Here's the deal if you played along in the past, you may be familiar with the game Crack the Code. The Crack the Code is a game that works by listening to this very flash briefing, Voice in Canada, starting November 4th for 10 days, November 4th to November 14th, we have the next generation of Crack the Code happening, Crack the Code 1000, and it's all about celebrating the 1,000th consecutive flash briefing of Voice in Canada. Leading up to November 14th, That will be the day of the 1000th Flash flash Briefing, and there will be a party session of The Voice Den. And by the way, you can get all the information about that party session at thevoiceden.com. But here's the deal, if you choose to play along with this Crack the Code game, see if you can solve the riddles that I give you each day, and then go to the skill, Crack the Code, and talk to that skill and see if you are correct. If you can collect all of the pieces of the puzzle and crack the final code, then you will be in the running for, well, more than $2,000 worth of voice prizes. Uh, It's a huge prize package. Let me tell you what's included in that. First of all, actually, even before I do that, I should tell you the companies that have donated prizes. Attention Live, thank you, thank you. They are donating the, uh, you may have seen, the Ring Always Home Cam. It is the, the drone that flies around your home. It's not even available yet, but when it is available, the winner will receive one of those. Uh, Vixen Labs is uh, donating the Amazon Echo Show 10. Again, not available yet. When it's available, you will get one. It is the new Echo Show display that rotates. Dabble Lab is donating a pair of Amazon Echo Buds. speak to web they're donating a blue Snowball Ice microphone as well as a one-year subscription to one of their WordPress plugins that helps you incorporate voice into your website. Uh, I'm donating a Voices MyOS t-shirt, color of your choice. VoiceFlow is donating a one-year pro license to their service. And Hereafter is donating a complete Futurist Legacy Avatar package, which allows you to preserve the story and the voice of a loved one after they have passed on. Pretty incredible. And... Uh, just to make things a little bit more fun. Even if you don't manage to crack the code, you're still in the running for an Amazon Echo Show 5, which will be a participation prize. So that's the first bit of news. I've got some more news, but I'm gonna save that for tomorrow. And uh, in the meantime, uh, have you entered this contest? Well, just keep listening to this flash briefing and you can go and check out the details at A-L-E-X-A in Canada slash crack the code. All right, talk to you soon. briefcast.fm.
1: Awesome. Terry, so that was Terry's flash briefing, introducing Crack the Code. I I think he played that a few days ago. I want to ask you a few more questions about Crack the Code. I love the
0: idea. Can you tell me about where this came from and how how it's working? Sure. So Crack the Code actually started for my 500th flash briefing. So we go back 500. It's crazy to think about that. Go back 500 episodes. What was it about? So I decided that I wanted to be really creative and that may come across. I I love being creative. I love creating things. I love being innovative. And I wanted to do something to celebrate my 500th flash briefing at the time. And at the same time, I wanted to thank all of my listeners for the tremendous support they had uh, given me. I guess it was a year and a half at that point through my the flash briefing, the podcast, the blog, et cetera. And I also wanted to thank the uh, guests that had come onto my podcast as my guests. And so I started thinking, I was like, how can I create something that'll be really engaging and really fun for my listeners? And I thought, I'm gonna create a game through my flash briefing. Now, one of the limitations of flash briefings, which is something that I'd love to see change, maybe we'll talk about this in a little little while, having some more interactivity through audio content. But nevertheless, one of the challenges with uh, flash briefings, is that it's one-way communication right now. And so I thought, if I'm going to get them to play a game, I have to somehow be able to get them to interact. So I created an accompanying skill called Crack the Code. And the way the game would work is they would listen to the Voice in Canada flash briefing every day for, at that point I did, it was a two-week period for the game. And I would provide some type of riddle, some type of puzzle, and the listener would have to solve it and sometimes it would be easy sometimes it would be a little more challenging but they'd have to solve it and then if they wanted to play along and they solved it they would then go to the skill crack the code open crack the code and the skill would talk to them and then when prompted it would they'd be asked to give what they thought was the answer to the daily riddle and they would do that and if they did that the skill would then give them back one piece of a final code and it would be the same thing every day for 2 weeks and by the end of the 2 weeks if they had assembled all of those 14 little pieces of the final code, they could then put that together and save the final code, crack the code, so to speak, and then they would be told how they can win a grand prize package. I love that Um, marketing across those
1: modalities. So listen to my flash briefing. But if you want to win something, you gotta use my skill and you gotta listen to my flash briefing. Great that's a great virtuous cycle. And the
0: thing is, on top of that, what I realized is that people were joining late Mm -hmm. so as word got out about the the contest and there was some incentives also for people to share the contest and but as word got out about the contest people were wanting to go back and listen to the first flash briefings from those first 14 days that maybe they joined in day seven and they missed the first six so what i realized is that i embedded all of the flash briefing audio files on my website as well because By the nature of flash briefings, after you listen to them, the next day it's gone. There's a new one. So what it actually ended up doing in terms of a mark from a marketing perspective, it actually drove a lot of traffic to my website because people wanted to hear the previous flash briefings as well. And by embedding it on the site, that was another location for them to find it anyway. So they did that and it it was tremendous. It really turned out really well and there was tremendous engagement. And uh, so since then I launched it again, I think it was at about 750, if I'm not mistaken, and now this is the third generation of it, and I'm launching it again for the 1,000th Flash Briefing, and it's launched as of November 4th. It'll run till November 14th for 10 days. We'll announce the winner again at at the Voice end party on November 14th, and as usual, if a person is joining in late, they can go back to the website voiceincanada.ca or alexincanada.ca slash crack the code, and they can see the previous ones.
1: So you're setting expectations that every 250 flash briefings, oh boy. you do something innovative. <laughs> You've got 1,000 now, so you got to think about 1,250, right? Oh, 1,250. That's 1,250 comes
0: around really quick. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing because, like I said, with my spreadsheet, you know, I can see my episode number, and I was getting to like 950, 951, 952, and I'm like, oh boy, 1,000's coming up. I better get working on something here. So anyway, it's uh, it's all coming together, so it's great.
1: Earlier, we were talking about that discoverability and marketing. And I love that. What you did is you did some marketing, which I actually haven't seen very much that kind of cross modality marketing. And yet it's so obvious what you did. I and mean, it hadn't been done. And then you did it and it's been super successful. Yeah. And I just like to see that kind of thing in the industry is more kind of creative thinking about, I, I listen, I have this kind of one way, at least right now, we definitely mm. could talk about how podcasts should be lovely and flash reviews could be two-way, Yep. medium. And then I have voice, which is interactive and marrying the two. Great, great idea for marketing and discoverability and getting more listeners and getting more excitement about what you do. And then it brought people to your website. So there's the third you know, property brought into it. So good yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, it's great uh, fun. So one of your latest creations is the Voice Den fabulous. I was honored to be a guest at the last Voice Den. For those of the listeners who don't know what it is, can you describe what the Voice Den is? And I'd love to hear the story of how you came up with the Voice Den. Sure.
0: First of all, the Voice Den, the way I describe it is it's it's an online virtual reality show, kind of like Shark Tank, where we bring on some guests who are well known in the voice industry, people like you, Roger. So I was thrilled to have you on there and people get to come on live on the show and ask questions. And it's very informal. Now, if I take a step back and explain that a little bit more. So I started this now about six months ago when we were really into the whole COVID situation and all of the in-person events were being shut down. Everything was being canceled. I'm sure you can remember that and listeners can remember that. It seemed every day in the news, some other big conference was being canceled. And what I realize is that, at least from my perspective, when I go to these voice events and the voice conferences, I love them. The The content is incredible. My absolute favorite part about it, though, is meeting everybody and networking with people. And some of the best uh, times I've had is after the sessions when you go out for dinner mm. or you just go out for a drink and you just hang out and you chat. and You get to speak with some of the people that you've been following on social media and see what they're up to, and you get some advice, and you bounce ideas off of each other. And I think that's incredibly valuable. And I started thinking about, can that be created online? How can you create that sort of environment, almost like the happy hour environment online? And when I started thinking about that, I realized, yeah, you certainly could do that, but it's all a a matter of how you frame the event. And so I wanted to create this event that had no lectures, There is no script. There is no like selling. Nobody's getting up there making a pitch for a product. And it truly is getting together with people that we all would have loved to have had the opportunity to sit down around a dinner table and and have some dinner with. And so I started reaching out to people. We call them the voice fluencers to come on the show. And we have five on there every show. And then we just have a live audience and they ask their questions. We bring them up on screen they get to have an authentic dialogue with some of these people and everybody else gets to sit around and listen into this conversation as if they were sitting around the table and as much as possible that's the environment that I'm trying to reproduce and I'm I'm really thrilled that it's been it's been received really well and and I love it it's a lot of fun really a really fun event to put on
1: yeah, it is a lot of fun. And yeah, you're right. It's a little bit of, and I, I completely agree with you. It's the hallway conversations at a show or the beer afterwards or the person you never, you just know their social media handle and you're like, hey, this is, you're not that's just right. a bot, right? That's right. <laughs> you know? that's right. You meet. And I think that's great. And the voice den, and I love it. And I'll, it, there's a certain irreverency to it, which I and I say in the best way of there's a casualness to it. Uh-huh. I think it's the timing. And I love it. The chat that goes on, right? There's a there's people talking and there's this chat going off and it's, you do a really good job of saying, hey, it's a serious thing. People talk about what they're interested in, their experience of voice, yep. but there's also a casualness about it that is so very different than almost everything else you see online. One of the things that happens when we go all online is everything gets very formal and presented. And it's the opportunity to pre-record everything, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it looks, it's very polished, but sometimes almost overly polished. And so I yeah. love the voice
0: stand. It's a great way to do that. Hey, Thank you. when is the next voice den? So the next voice den is November 14th. That's a special one because normally I do them on Wednesday evenings at five. The normal time, I should say is Wednesday evenings, 5 p.m. Pacific time, which is what we will go back to for the December one. But the November one, because it is the 1000th Flash Briefing, because we're having a special celebration on, I wanted to make it a party, which is why it's on Saturday, November 14th at 5 p.m. It's normally a one-hour show. The Saturday party one is going to be a two-hour show from 5 to 7. And I'm really excited to say that we have not five, but 27 voice fluencers on the show. And it's going to be a lot of fun. There are a lot of surprises, things that I can't give away just yet. But I will uh, just tease out the fact that there are prizes to be won not only for Crack the Code, but other things as well. And there are some things that I've never done before on the show and they will be happening at the party as well. So all the the information there is at thevoiceden.com. So everybody, come join us for a lot of fun.
1: Please do. And I'll definitely put that in the the show notes, the link to that. But these are a lot of fun. I know I'll definitely be there. I know... It's a bit of a who's who in voice, and then just a bunch of other people who are interested. They're super fun, and uh, it'll be even more of a party atmosphere, celebrating (laughs) 1,000 episodes. (laughs) And on a Saturday night, uh, it'll be our our virtual COVID Saturday night beer, so to speak. That's
0: right. That's right. And uh, and just just to pick up on something you said, one of the, yes, we've got the voice influencers, we've got the well-known personalities in the voice industry, but one of the things that I love, absolutely love about it, is being able to bring on the show people that are new to the industry or really are um, just trying to learn. And whenever somebody new comes on that I've never met before, it's wow, this is really cool that you're coming on the show and we all get to meet you. And uh, anyway, I just love that aspect, so.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Hey Terry, like I said, you are tireless because now I've started (laughs) to see these new hashtags. Voice is my OS about and around and some cool graphics. You made one for me, thank you. And lots of other cool people involved in voice. There's these great graphics and a little saying there. Tell me a little bit more about Voices MyOS and how that came about and what you're thinking is around that.
0: Sure. Voices MyOS is about a concept that I have been thinking about now for maybe two years. know, Shortly after I got involved in the voice technology industry, I started thinking about it. And a lot of people are talking about how there's a paradigm shift from keyboard as an interface to a mouse as an interface to a touch screen on our mobile phone. And I think voice now is the next step in in terms of an operating system. And just look at how we're interacting right now. I'd say that voice is my OS. That is the way I operate as a human being. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to highlight the different thoughts that everybody has about voice being the next operating system. One of the things that I thought about was What makes voice the next operating system? What are the reasons for it? And I broke down voice, V-O-I-C-E, into an acronym that I think uh, captures some of those key concepts of voice as an operating system. And so just very brief, like voice is versatile, meaning like we can multitask, we can be driving when we're using our voice and we certainly shouldn't be texting and all that kind of stuff. O meaning it's omnipresent. So you don't have to be looking in the direction of, for example, a screen or a piece of paper to communicate you can hear it all around you just omnipresent so it's, it's audio The i innate right when babies are born the first thing that they do is they use their voice they cry and so voice is innate c contextual meaning that you can hear the emotion in my voice or in someone's voice there's also a lot of research being done into vocal biomarkers so you can start to hear the physical states of people by the way that they speak that's something that we can't do, Of obviously, when you're writing or looking at a screen. And E, being efficient. Voice is three to four times faster than the average person can type. And when you take those five reasons together, I think that voice truly is the next operating system. And the way that there's a number of different mobile operating systems, of course, whether it's you just big ones, iOS and, and Android and, and so on. That's the way I feel it is with voice. There's different types. There's Bixby, there's Alexa, There's Google, and, and so on but overall voice i believe is the next os and so i have encouraged people to go to that site voicesmyos.com share your thoughts on why voice is your os voice was the hashtag voicesmyos and we create these graphics and we just enjoy sharing them out and it's really fun to see the different ways that people are interpreting that
1: it strikes me it's the next os for interacting with our tech and it's the OG OS for humans, <laughs> right? That's true. Yeah,
0: right? that's, that's, that's absolutely the first true. That we that's all a like good quote. You got to make another card. <laughs> that's a good quote. Ah, yeah.
1: <laughs> make another card. Yeah. Things there, but yeah, it's that's a lot of fun. And I, I love it. And I think it's you do such a great job, Terry, of making something. It's fun, but there's a serious message behind it, which is absolutely mm-hmm. true, is this is the next great way to interact with our tech. And let's all start thinking about that and then explore all the possibilities with it because we're so early in there so speaking about the technology i want to pivot a little bit and talk about the voice industry in general yep uh i am on a bixby podcast so i want to ask you a question so the Bixby marketplace, it's available for phones. So third party developers can build what we call capsules for phones and you can do it for watches as well. And you can build for TVs and smart speakers right now, but there's not a marketplace yet. Yeah. So Bixby's coming to a lot of new devices. I'm curious, what device are you most excited about that Bixby's coming to or that voice is coming to in general that will unleash something new? Yeah.
0: So, I, you know, I think that ties into sort of the voice is my OS thing where it's such a, a natural way to interact. I think of devices that have really horrible user interface designs and how voice can make a difference on that. And Samsung being the, the manufacturer of so many different appliances, I think there's a real opportunity for Bixby there. When I think about the, the appliances around my home that have terrible user interfaces, it's things like the washing machine, which has like however many settings. Or the dishwasher, like my dishwasher has 10 different buttons and all I ever do is push clean. And why can't I talk to that or talk to my washing machine and say, here's a white load or this is made out of this or whatever, like just take care of it for me and don't make me study the manual to figure out what setting it should be on. So I'm not shrinking my clothes or that sort of stuff. I think that's where Samsung could potentially make a big difference because you've got all these, all these appliances built in. The other thing that I'm really interested in, and I don't know if you can chat any of this, Roger. It's a question that I have. I sort of alluded to this earlier, but as a content creator, like I'm always interested in how these voice technologies are going to evolve to become two-way communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't really seen anything yet that I would, that allows me to interact with somebody seamlessly the flash briefing comes to mind. So I'm talking, I'm giving a message, whatever that is, whatever the content is. And I want to ask a question and I want real-time feedback right there. Mm -hmm. And where it captures that, that would be pretty cool. And so I'm still looking for whoever can do that because that would be exciting to me. I so agree with you. Whenever
1: you're starting mashing a bunch of buttons, that's not human. Go Doesn't and you got to put you got to think how many buttons you got to press to get something done, and you're like, ah, I just it's so simple. I could describe it one sentence. I yeah. think there's a mass opportunity there. So Absolutely. Samsung, Absolutely. whoever really gets that right, is going to do super well. And I'll, I'll honestly say, I'm a little surprised that there isn't enough. And we're doing a kitchen remodel right now, and so I'm looking at smart appliances. At sure. And like, yeah. I, I want to buy them, but I'm a little disappointed that a lot of things aren't fully there where i'm like if if i have to mash more than the 3
0: buttons i want a voice command for it because i think yeah, that's faster yeah. right for me the, the like the telltale sign is if my mother's calling me up to tell me like how do i program this how do i do this how do i pro-? like right. if it just had a voice like a feature that you could just say to it what you wanted there's the opportunity so, I mean, even on phones, I,
1: I'm the tech support person for my in-laws for their phone yeah. problems. And these are brand new phones. And I'm like, you described it to me. Would it be really cool if you could just talk to the phone and say what you <laughs> wanted instead of they don't know where in the settings they have to go and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's right. And I'm, I'm totally with you on interactive audio. It's interesting because podcasts and to some degree flash briefings are just, it's on this creaky old technology. There's this RSS feed that's been around forever and, when I started, pod, I was like, wow, this is old fashioned, how, how yeah. they do things. And you post a podcast and it takes several hours to propagate to the different players. And there's such an opportunity. And I'm I'm encouraged by big players like in audio, like Spotify going in and buying somebody, maybe a little modernize that industry because you're absolutely right. Wouldn't it be cool if you could ask your listeners a question? Yep. And then have them respond, an instant poll. And all the tech is there, to me, for that to happen. It just hasn't been all the parts haven't been put together. So, yeah, I've heard this a lot. (laughs) It's a common refrain of anybody who has any kind of flash briefing podcast. So I want to hear what my listeners think or what they're thinking about. And I'm talking to them on a voice device. Why can't they talk back? It makes so much sense. So, hey,
0: someone, there's the great startup idea. But yeah, there it is. There it is. And, and, and just what we're talking about, like with, with Crack the Code, where I'm, I have the flash briefing and I have to tell them to go to another skill. I mean, it's working well, but wouldn't it be that much better if it was like baked into the flash briefing itself right. and right. then they right. could just talk to it? So there's just, just a little extra bit of
1: friction there. I got to stop, right. listen to right. something, and then go talk. A device and why aren't they all together and a matter of fact I might be even the same darn device I'm listening to the flash briefing exactly and then I have to start the 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 skill why aren't they combined the opportunity there is grand yeah so absolutely. along those lines and we've been talking about it but I'm curious where would you see in the short term where would you like to see the industry go what kind of improvements could be made over the next year
0: or so or what's your prediction too of over what might happen in the next year or so so obviously we're in a very different world now and here's where I can put on my physician hat a little bit. With everything that's going on with COVID, it has really accelerated telemedicine, and I think there's so much opportunity to now bring voice uh, into the healthcare space. Yes, there are challenges for sure with privacy, security, and I would love to see some real advancements in that area so that more people can start taking advantage of of actually providing care in their home. Because one of the things that, at least as a Canadian physician, is But the public system is, is tremendously overworked. Mm -hmm. And if we could take some of the pressure off of the healthcare that is provided in the hospitals and bring it actually into the home through Mm -hmm. voice Mm -hmm. assistant, smart speakers, devices, whatever you want to call them. I mean, that has the opportunity to do some real good for society and whether it's just talking to your device and going through some symptoms and giving you perhaps a probability of what's going on and maybe alert you, to see your physician in a a timely manner, or maybe it's just like accessing some of your test results through your voice. I mean, it's it's a huge list of things that you could do there. But that's where there's a huge um, opportunity. And I think that if there's a silver lining in COVID, I hope that it will accelerate that type of of technology adoption. It's
1: often been said healthcare is a great place to disrupt with technology. Hopefully COVID is one of the several linings of it would be puts pressure on the medical industry to start exploring. And, and maybe even, I don't know about what the equivalent of US and Canada is of HIPAA, but it holds back. It's I completely get it. It's around privacy and it's great, Yep. but it's holding back some innovation. And maybe there's a way to modernize these things and change them so you can be more innovative around that. I also think about, you're talking about talk to your doctor and that and I'm forgetting the industry term but it's okay you prescribe you know this medication and you need me to be compliant with taking it right or this exercise right
0: compliance yeah
1: right yeah yeah I always think about a physical therapist if you've ever been there you're supposed to go home and do these exercises and I've had PT before and I don't go home and do the exercises (laughs) but if my voice assistant reminded me yeah or gently encouraged me to do it I probably would do it a lot more it's a great way to ensure that
0: there are so many use cases here for voice in healthcare. It's actually, I, I gave a TEDx talk about that about a year and a half or two years now, specifically about voice technology in healthcare. And whether it's from being a care aide to an elderly relative that wants to just have that extra, those extra reminders during the day of to take their medication or when their appointments are, to actually being diagnostic, to like the listening to the sound of your voice, those vocal biomarkers that we were talking about, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. to being a, a guide to the diabetic who needs help on their daily basis, monitoring and checking their levels of insulin and their blood sugar levels. There's so much that can be done there. And what's interesting is from a telemedicine perspective, some of the regulations have been relaxed a little bit, like certain video conferencing tools have been allowed now and because of COVID. And so is the world falling apart because of that? I don't think so. And I think that's a, In my opinion, I think that's a good thing. And perhaps we need to think about that in terms of voice technology as well.
1: Lots of opportunity there. There's our second entrepreneurial. <laughs> there
0: it is. <laughs> there go it build is.
1: something there. No, I think that's a yeah. grand place. Hey, let me ask you to take out your crystal ball. Okay. Right? And Turn, love it. Yep. And uh, five or 10 years
0: down the line, where, where's voice going to be in five or 10 years? So maybe I'll go back to the medical perspective here because we're on that topic. Sure. I, think, I think this is really interesting. I think in the next five to 10 years, this is my vision. This is my hope that what I was starting to describe there, where we can take some of the pressure off the hospitals truly is we're experiencing that. So what I mean by that is you get up in the morning, let's say, and I'll paint a a picture here, a little scenario. You get up in the morning and you're not feeling great. You're just, you're feeling sick, or maybe you've got a cough. And so you cough and your smart speaker hears you cough, knows that's out of the ordinary for you. It's already running some analysis based on the type of cough to try to figure out what this potentially could be. It starts asking you questions with your permission about, do you have a fever? Do you have shortness breath, et cetera? It goes through a whole bunch of questions similar to what a physician would do. And then using the AI and the algorithms, which of course have to be validated, it comes up with a probability. And it says, maybe if it was in today's world, it might say your probability of COVID is such and such, or maybe it says, based on the symptoms that you told me, I think you may have strep throat. Mm. so now the next step is we have to confirm that with a test whoever the supplier is the voice assistant says to you look we need to get you a strep test should we just deliver one to your home Mm. great and so now through this voice interaction you've now gone the next step of getting a diagnostic test a drone delivers this test to your home you pick it up this test now is as an iot connection internet of things connection maybe it's through bluetooth maybe it's through some other technology five years from now and the voice isn't Now it knows that you have that device, this test kit, it walks you through how to do it through voice. So you do the test and it analyzes the results. The voice system is guiding you through the whole way, telling you what the results are. And now it says, you know what? You need some antibiotics. But based on my previous interactions with you, I already know some of your medical history. I know that you're allergic to this antibiotic. So we need to send you this particular one. Can we file a prescription and send it to your home? A little while later, another drone comes, delivers you your antibiotic. Now you are talking to your assistant, is giving you your reminders of when to take your antibiotic. It's checking up on you. It's monitoring for any potential complications or anything that would be an issue and a reason for you to go see your doctor, but it's monitoring your care. And it's making sure that you are recovering as you should be. And if you think about that, what has just happened is that person has now received, they've gone through that whole entire healthcare journey. From feeling ill, to having a diagnosis, to having tests, to getting a treatment, and to recovering from the comfort of their home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is incredible to me as a physician. And so that's where I see the future, and that's where I hope the future is going, and I can't wait for that.
1: That's not only a revolution in healthcare, but just bettering us as humans. Catching things earlier and doing that. Wow. I would love to see that. I tell all my guests... We're going to, to find a place in five or 10 years to get together yeah. and, and check and see how good our predictions oh, were. Oh, I'd love that. So put it on your calendar. I don't know. somewhere in five to 10 years. Yep. We'll have to have a beer and see and, and, and compare notes on, on these predictions there. Hey, great, Terry, you've obviously done so many things with voice and podcasts and flash briefings and obviously use a lot of the skills and actions. What are some not things that you've built? But what are some of yeah. the, your very favorite
0: voice experiences? So uh, again, that ranges. So everything from really simple games that just allow me to interact with my family in a way that's fun and brings us together. But some of those games, the skill like Akinator, where you have to predict the, the, or you're asking, the device is asking you questions and trying to predict who you're thinking about. It always blows people away when they could come over to the home and we'd play that game and like, how does it know that? And my kids and I have fun just sitting around and coming up with wacky people to think about and Just the communal experience of voice is fantastic. As a content creator, one of the things that I'm very excited about, and I've been speaking about it through a partnership um, with Ian Utility of Attention Live, is he's creating technology that allows content creators to share their content live streamed through the voice assistant. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another step forward in that content creation. So it's not just a flash briefing that's recorded, but it's actually... Hey, we could be doing an interview and streaming that live through the latest smart speaker, whichever company that is. And so, I think there's a lot of potential with that as well. Yeah, I think those are two of my two of the things that are top of mind for me at the moment. Great, great. So, uh, Terry, if people want to keep in touch with you or what your
1: very many different your <laughs> podcast, your flash briefing, the Voice Den, Voices
0: My OS, what, what's the best way to do? I think probably the best way is I've. I've put together one website where everything falls under that website now at drterryfisher.com. And it's kind of an interesting spelling, dot rcom And I'm probably of the social media channels most active on uh, Twitter. And it's the same handle, drterryfisher. I'm happy to chat with anybody uh, about anything that's even remotely related to voice. I love chatting about it. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Roger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll put all that information in the show notes and I'll actually put individual links to the different... voice voice efforts. Sure. I was trying to think of the right word to describe everything (laughs) you've done in voice, and it's hard, right? Uh, Everything this voice guru. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So speaking of which, you're a tireless advocate for voice and for modernizing healthcare, and that was a really interesting discussion today. And I think the voice ecosystem, it just benefits enormously from your advocacy, your insight, your thought leadership,
0: and I've really, really enjoyed talking to you today. So thank you so much. My absolute pleasure, Roger. And it's a real privilege, a real honor to be on your podcast. I still remember when we first met at one of the voice events, and I think you came up to me and introduced yourself. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you, Roger. And who knew that two years later, whenever it is that here we are uh, recording a podcast and it's, uh, boy, it's wonderful. What a, what a great community. So th- thank you again for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for being a guest. All right, that's all, folks. Till next time, this is Roger Kibby of the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast signing off.